Good morning. Apparently it's not, so I'll give you one more chance. Good morning. Good morning. All right. All right, we have been taking a look at a imperfect chronological look at the life and earthly ministry of Jesus, the Messiah. And the, for the last few weeks, we've been taking a look at while he was in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles, and he's still there ministering and teaching. And in John chapter 8, verse 31, we'll, we will start this particular message. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, when we Baptists talk about making professions of faith, we kind of take a look at that, and we say that faith is all that's required for salvation, and that is true, but there needs to be, in essence, true faith. And one of the ways you know about true faith is what you do after you make that confession. It says here that some of the Jews believed in him. They didn't necessarily put their faith in him, but they have some initial response. And so I think what's happening here is that there are those who believe, but there are various soils. There's those who will reject. There are those who immediately rejoice but have no firm root and, and pass away. And there are the others who the cares of this world restricts that. And then there are those who are true believers who, who produce fruit. And Jesus is saying one of the ways you will know that you are his disciple is that you continue in his teaching and to know the truth. And that way you'll know that you are a disciple of his because you continue in his teaching. All too often we want to make that profession of faith, get our fire insurance, and then head off doing our lives as we see fit. And Jesus said, no, if you're my disciple, you are going to continue in my teaching because it is truth. Jesus is the truth, and what he teaches is the truth, and therefore we need to, to do that. And that truth does more than just say, oh, we're right. That truth sets us free. That truth makes us free which is opposite of what the world thinks about us. For you see, when the world thinks that when you become a Christian, all of a sudden there's all these do's and all these don'ts and all these restrictions, and you can't have any fun, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and it's got to be a boring life. But Jesus says, no. Being my disciple gives you freedom. It sets you, it makes you free. You no longer have to carry the shame and burden of sin. You no longer have to think, oh, all those past mistakes and different things that I did, that Jesus in his forgiveness sets us free, makes us free. We are free indeed. The world has it wrong. And too often, believers have it wrong because, again, we concentrate on the do's and the don'ts instead of the teachings of Jesus. 
So if I were to talk again about the teachings of Jesus, we would be here a long longer than you'd want to be. And so I'll just quickly say some of those teachings simply are to forgive as we've been forgiven, to love our enemies, to love each other as we love ourselves, to seek the other's benefit and not our own. These are the things Jesus teaches, and we are to be in his teaching. But you see, those who are hearing him don't hear him as he speaks because he says, the truth will make you free. And they have a perspective just as the world does. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, either these guys simply don't know their history or they're lying. Because Israel was enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. Israel had been taken into captivity under the Assyrians. Judah had been taken under captivity under the Babylonians. As a matter of fact, they didn't even have control over their own country at this present time because Rome was the occupying force. And so they're saying, how is it that you tell us that we need to be free because we've never been, and that's a lie. Jesus never speaks of political restrictions or freedoms. It's always spiritual. So you see, one, they lie. Two, they miss the point. The point is Jesus is here to set us free spiritually. And Jesus answered them, truly, truly. And again, I, and I, every time I read truly, truly, I say to you, it's on the test. Because when, when Jesus speaks, he's the truth, therefore it is the truth. But when he emphasizes it, truly, truly, amen, amen, then pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Jesus says, you think you're free, but you're not. Because once you've committed sin, you are a slave to sin. And the deal is, all of us have committed sin. And there all of us are condemned and enslaved to sin. You see, the world thinks again, they can do whatever they want to do. And the truth is, that's not true because they are enslaved to their sins. But Jesus has come to set us free. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. He's saying, look, if you are slaves to sin, you're not staying in the house. I don't care if you're Abraham's children or not. You will be sold into bondage because slaves have no choice to what they do. Their owner can decide to say, you're going to a different owner. But the son remains in the house forever. He's family. And Jesus is saying, by coming to him and knowing him as the truth, we become God's family. We remain in the house forever. 
And so we will be free, not because we think about it, not because we desire it, because it is indeed a fact that we are free. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. So he doesn't dispute the point. Yeah, they are biologically Abraham's descendants. Yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. You see, they're not disciples because they're not seeking the word. They're not seeking the truth. His word has no place in them. It just doesn't make sense. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. So Jesus is going to make a dichotomy here. He's going to say, I see the things of my father. You see the things of your father. We have different fathers. You may be children of Abraham, but you're not children of my father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. Well, what are the deeds of Abraham? The deeds of Abraham was simply Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Faith. The deeds of Abraham are faith. When God said, move from this place to the next, he did so. When God said, I'm going to give you this land, and, and Abraham was not quite sure that he could see it, God said, when you've been dead for 400 years, you, my people are going to come back to this spot, and you'll know. When God told Abram, Abraham to take his only son, the son of the promise, Isaac, and to sacrifice him on the mount, Abraham believed that God was able not to spare Isaac, but to raise Isaac from the dead because he was the son of promise. Abraham believed God even when the circumstances seemed to dictate impossibility. Abraham, when he was walking up that mountain with Isaac, and Isaac asked the question, where is the sacrifice? Abraham said, the Lord himself will provide the lamb. Abraham saw God's plan. He heard God and believed. They, on the other hand, but as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Now, this is their criticism of Jesus. Because Mary wasn't married to Joseph at the time even though they had their betrothal. So they're saying, well, Jesus was an illegitimate son. I was going to use the other word, but I thought better of it. Jesus was illegitimate, so they're poking at him. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God and I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. 
If you knew God, you'd know me, and not only know me, but love me. One of the tests, we're always wondering, do we know God? Are we aware of him? And one of the answers is, how much do you love Jesus? That will tell you how much you know God. And Jesus is true. Notice he said, he did not come on his own initiative. His conversation with Nicodemus was this. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. It wasn't for Jesus so loved the world he came. God the Father loved you so much he sent his son. For I have not come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? He asked the question. And most of us, when, we, when we're talking to our friends and family who, who aren't believers, there are times that we just quite don't understand why they don't get it. And Jesus is going to answer the question. It's because you cannot hear my words. There's this block, there's this veil of lack of comprehension. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. You will, there is this thing that once you become a believer, once you become attuned to the voice of God, you can kind of tell what, when God's speaking and when he isn't. One of the classic ways you can see this is you'll hear people talk about, well, there are certain books of, that were not permitted in the Bible, and one of those was the gospel according to Thomas, and they're restricted from the Bible. Yeah, it was restricted from the Bible because it's not the word of God. And if you understand the word of God, once you read any part or all of the Gospel of Thomas, you begin to think it was more written by the Twilight Zone writers than people who knew Jesus. The word of God tells you that's not the word of God. The Jews answered and said to him, do we not rightly do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Now notice something that they do that every human does. When you're losing the argument, you start attacking the person. They don't come back and talk about, well, Jesus isn't speaking the truth. They say, you're, you're a Samaritan, you're a half-breed. We don't need to pay attention to you because you're not culturally relevant. We can look down on you half-breed, and you have a demon. Not countering his truth, countering who he is. And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. Notice he doesn't say that he's not a Samaritan. 
He's not. He's Jew. But he goes right to this point of spirituality. I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my own, my glory. There is one who seeks and judges truly, truly on the test. I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. This is particularly relevant in the next few verses. If you keep his word, you will never see, see death. As I say, eternal life is not life, death, life. It is life eternal. It does not cease to be. The body may cease for a moment, but not life. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. Wrong, he is. You see, they don't understand spiritual life and spiritual death. Jesus has been telling them, if you sin, you're enslaved to sin, you are convicted of sin, and you will die in your sins. But if you follow Jesus, you will then have eternal life. The prophets died also too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Exactly who he's been making himself out to be. The Messiah, the Son of God, God. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Jesus, again, is showing the difference between them and him. He honors God. He follows God. They only honor God with their lips, but they do not follow him. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. They're going to miss the point again. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and you seen Abraham. Now notice something. In his comment he just made there, he did not say he saw Abraham. He said Abraham looked forward to seeing the day of Jesus. Now in the commentaries, they're going to say one thing, and I'm going to add another thing. Abraham saw Jesus' day because of faith. That day, among others, but it's clearly on the day that he was sent to offer Isaac as an offering. And Isaac was spared. He understood through that whole teaching that Jesus would be coming as the lamb provided by God. He saw that day and rejoiced. But notice 
And the commentaries don't say this, and so I'm going to tell you, this is what I think. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I think this. Because Jesus said, if you are a follower of God's, you will never taste death. So not only did Abraham see Jesus' day because he had faith, he saw Jesus' day because he's with the Father at the time Jesus was walking on the earth. He was a participant. He eyewitnessed what Jesus is doing. So he saw Jesus' day in faith, and he saw Jesus' day in actuality because he did not taste death. Now, if I'm wrong on the second part, I'm sorry, but I think the scriptures lead to that conclusion. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, Again, on the test. I say to you, before Abraham was born, now I'm going to stop there. Because Jesus could have said, I was. Because that would have been grammatically correct. He was there before Abraham. But he says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. He is using the name that God gave Moses when they said, who is it that sent me? And he said, I am that I am. Jesus is saying, I'm God. When you saw the burning bush you read about, about Moses, that was me. Before the world was ever into existence, I am. I am the self-existing one. Jesus clearly knew who he was, and clearly proclaimed who he was. He was God. I am. Truly, I am in this body not 50 years old. But I am. I am before the beginning of creation, I am with Abraham. I am with Moses. I am with Joshua. I am with Daniel. I am with Jeremiah. I am in your presence. I am. And finally, the crowd sees, but don't accept. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw it at him. Why? because he claimed to be equal with God. They were blind in all of the teachings, but understood what Jesus was saying, but they still did not believe. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You'll hear people say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You see, the people didn't believe because their belief was irrelevant. God said it, that settles it. Therefore, I believe it. And I believe it not because of my own greatness, but because of his spirit given to me to respond in faith. And so going back to the beginning, we say, 
His truth, because he is truth, sets us free, makes us free. What we need to do as his followers is understand his teaching. Now, I've been around long enough to know that there are times that you really enjoyed studying the Bible, and there are times that it's tough. There are times it's like a good meal and you just can't get enough of it, and sometimes you just want to push away from the table and say, I can't take any more right now. Be concerned when you want to push away from the table. Maybe that's when you need to see the word more. But as I point the finger this way, three more come back at me because there are times that I just will study and, and whatever, and there are times you just go, mm. yeah, I know Jesus said, I'm supposed to love you. I'm having tough trouble with that, so maybe I just won't read it and won't make it any more true. Just as Jesus said, not for me to inspect your fruit, but you should inspect yours. Is the, are the fruits of the Spirit coming up in your life? And one of the ways to know whether you are a disciple is that are you still in his teachings? The awesome thing about the Word of God you can pick any subject you might. History, physics, calculus. There's a certain limit to our understanding at this point of those. And much of the sciences that we think is gospel change. Things that we thought were true don't become true because some other testing showed it not to be true, and, you know, it was the uh, Einstein's theory of relativity, and now you've got all these other things happening, and people saying the, min the minuscule parts of the universe don't apply to the theory of relativity and whatever. But there is a finite amount of information in each of those academic areas. You can study the Word of God your entire life and not scratch the surface. You will read and think you've got a pretty good understanding of Genesis. So you get to Hebrews, and it talks about that Abraham believed that Isaac could be raised from the dead, and he was as good as dead. And you might have thought, well, maybe God, he was hoping God would stop him before he struck him, it tells us later, no, that's not the case. Isaac was as good as dead. The scriptures teach us about the scriptures. And you read Genesis and you go through the entire scripture and you go back to Genesis, all of a sudden you see, I didn't see that before. I didn't see the truth of that. Or in my life something happened that I needed a mountain to be moved and I didn't understand it. And all of a sudden you see more. And so, I don't know what to say when somebody says, well, I read the Bible once. Good for you. 
I'm glad you did. I guess there's no reason for us to continue on. But just as because Jesus spoke the truth, they maligned him, accused him of having a demon and being a lower social order, being illegitimate. That's what they had to say about him. Can you imagine what they have to say about us? Because we are not above our Father. We are not above His Son. If they treated Him that way, they will treat us that way. So continue to be in His Word. His Word is truth, and the truth will make you free. And all God's people said,